think this topic can be really transformational if we'll allow God to lead us in this area. And that's really what we're doing. We're, we're, as we begin the series called Decided, we're looking at the key decisions of a follower of Jesus. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, he's going to teach you how to forgive because God is absolutely committed to uh, forgiveness in your life and in calling us to be agents of forgiveness in our lives. And, you know, in our culture, when you're offended, we tend to celebrate the Avenger. Have you ever seen this movie, The Avengers? It's a great movie. I really liked it. But there's something within me that when evil is lurking, when evil is causing all this havoc in the world, that someone would stand up, someone would confront it, someone would win the day for truth and righteousness. That's actually a desire within all of us to have the world be a place of justice, of righteousness, of goodness, of kindness, of mercy. And and when that's not happening, we long for it. Did you realize that there's actually a promise from the resurrection of Jesus that Jesus will return? This living Savior will return. He will judge the world. He will turn all wrongs right. He will fully and finally judge this place. And we're all accountable to him in that. Now, I look forward to that day when that happens. And as a follower of Jesus, I look forward to that when truth will win in this world again. Until then, we wait. We wait for the justice of God. And therefore, when it talks in the scriptures about getting even after we've been offended, we're always called to the patience, the patience of God who is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, it, I know that when I talk about forgiveness, that maybe a, a, the first response to, from you might be, okay, I know I need to forgive them, but, right? Because forgiveness is hard. It's not easy. And, uh, you know, especially in some of the key relationships of our lives, some of us in marriage may not be forgiving our spouses. Some of us at work may not forgive our boss or our employees. And it's real easy to have a grudge, real easy to seek revenge. Some of us in this room could really do, are really doing well with forgiveness. Others of us are really, really struggling. How do you mark someone who's unforgiving? You know, cause it's in those environments. If you're dating someone and they just seem like the nicest person, then you marry them and you go, whoa, I had no idea. You're so unforgiving. I mean, I can't win. Sometimes I'd like to mark people with a, with a t-shirt. This is a t-shirt I saw online. I will never forgive you. How about that, you know, before you join into a friendship, you know, you, that's the type of person you're talking about. How many of you would like a T-shirt to put on someone that you know, right? How many of you would actually be wearing this T-shirt? Okay. <laughs> well, here's the deal. If you follow Jesus, you're going to learn forgiveness. He is committed to teaching his children how to forgive. And I want to kind of dissect what it is about forgiveness that makes it at the heart of God. And I want to call each and every one of you to, to decide, to live a decided life on forgiveness. And to do that, we're going to get into the scriptures. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. If you are going through our, if you are going through our, our journal and our reading plan for the year, Luke chapter 7 was one of the passages you took a look at this past week. And uh, we're going to be talking, as you turn there to Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 36 is where we're going to pick up. As Luke introduces this to us, it's kind of like a a quagmire of uh, tension when you think about the setting of this story that Jesus, uh, in the life of Jesus. And it's uh, one, you have a Pharisee, and the Pharisee was the religious leader of the day. 
uh, they were the self-righteous, hardened heart. They were least likely to forgive someone who sins against them. And then you had a prostitute. Prostitute was the lowest of the low. In a Middle Eastern world, she was a woman. In the Middle Eastern world, she was a sinner. And she was marked by everyone. Stay away from her. Don't even touch her. Don't even go near her. She's bad. And then you have Jesus. And Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He's God in the flesh. And they're all in the same room. What happens when they get together? Let's take a look in verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, self, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Well, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Well, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hairs. And you gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. For he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Just take a quick look at this. They both show up and it would look like the Pharisee is the free person. They are the righteous people. And it would look like the prostitute is the worst of the worst. But where do they end up? Who leaves free? The prostitute does, doesn't she? And Jesus didn't ignore her sin. I think our culture looks at this thing and says, well, Jesus didn't even have a problem with her sin. Of course, Jesus always has a problem with sins. We want to discount them, but he sees them and he even called them. There's, there were many sins that she was a part of, but she understood forgiveness and she trusted in Jesus to forgive her and Jesus forgave her. She leaves free. Who is the one in bondage? Who's, who's caught in the trap? It's the Pharisee who is self-righteous, who really didn't think they needed forgiveness, at least from Jesus. Jesus teaches this point. If I could summarize this whole story in three summarizing statements, it would, number one is this. Jesus pays all debts. Whether you think you owe him a little or whether you think you owe him a lot, he cancels all debts. Forgiveness is in the person and the work of Jesus. Secondly, debtors go free. You see, the heart of Jesus is to set people free of their sin. And Jesus does that. He gladly does that because he is bent on salvation in our lives. And then finally, those who are set free are set free to love him. They love him and to love others around them. The teaching point of Jesus here is very clear. He who is forgiven much 
loves much. He who is forgiven little loves little. It's everything to do with your attitude of the reality of Jesus's forgiveness in your life. So whether you're on that highway and that construction zone is coming and the lanes are merging into one. And you merge. I mean, you see it. It's two miles ahead and in a mile and a half you merge, but then you see the last minute merger, right? And your heart rate goes up and you want to transform your car into a forklift and, okay, I got to stop myself. Sorry about that. People can offend me that way. Or whether it's, uh, you let, you were let go of your job that you were faithful for for 20 years and that morning you showed up for work and there was a security guy with two boxes and asked you to pack up and leave. Or maybe your spouse cheated on you in marriage. How do you handle that? Or maybe, just maybe, you were abused as a child. How do you forgive? Because those resources we don't have, we just don't have of ourselves. They've got to come from Jesus if they're going to come from anyone. Well, here's the deal. I don't want you to think about anyone except yourself. I don't want you to think about what about what about those people and this people? What about all this injustice in the world today? Just think about where you're at on this topic. Who do you who does God bring to your mind right now who you need to forgive? Shouldn't take you long because it affects a lot of your perspective of life. Who's that person right now? You're holding a grudge. Maybe you disconnected from because they hurt you. Who do you need to let go of your wrath? Because here's the decision It is a decision to forgive and it's a decision to live to forgive in our lives. And that's why I want to really call you to not be an avenger, but to be someone who is a forgiver. I know I kind of constructed a chart for you in your notes. If you take a look at all those blanks, I know I gave you many. I want to kind of work through this with you rather quickly. So hang with me. If you're an avenger, you're someone who is always processing hurt. And that's the problem of, I mean, when, when you get offended against, it does hurt. There's no doubt about it. But you just are caught in the constant cycle of pain, of humiliation, of embarrassment, of a hit to your pride, of, of a, a loss of something valuable in your life. Forgivers, though, forgivers decide to suffer. And here's the deal. There's no pleasant way to approach or begin with forgiveness. It's not a musical where someone breaks into song and goes, I forgive you, and you just keep going on. No, this is hard stuff. It's a lot of it's a hit against you, who you think you are, or it's a hit against something you've done, or it's a hit against whether or not someone respects you or not. After hurt, an avenger seeks punishment. They seem, they try to get even. They try to get what's been taken back from them and they try to try to make that person pay for what's happened to them. A forgiver ultimately moves with grace. And remember, we talked about grace last week, and that's why it's an important decision we make every day. Grace is God's free and undeserved love towards us. It's free. He charges nothing and we owe everything, but he doesn't demand. He doesn't demand that. And, and it's undeserved. In other words, we, we don't get what we deserve. And a forgiver understands that. A forgiver operates with that grid of, of grace in their lives. An avenger, they are always quantifying damages. You did this to me. It cost me this. It left me out. 
you let me down. It's a strong damages. They all, and most of us inflate it because then we take the hurt and we amplify it and we inflate the damages that are there. Which, by the way, I'm glad we live in a country that has some value of justice. That when you go before a jury, they're supposed to be impartial. They're not supposed to be related to you. So that an impartial group of people can determine the damages. Because if we were to decide it, it would always be higher than the actual damage in our lives. Forgivers, they they think about repairs more than they do damages. What would it take to restore this? A forgiver is always thinking about restoration. An avenger always is demanding with a bill. This is what you owe me. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where someone felt you owed them. That's a really big bill. And when you live like you owe me, I did this for you. You need to do that for me. I was kind to you this morning. You need to be sensitive to me tonight. I mean, we operate under the you owe me. And so when you offend me, I've got I've got a bill for you and you better be ready to pay it. A forgiver focuses on a receipt paid in full. And that's why a follower of Jesus, we always go back to the cross. The cross is that picture of paid in full. Is that any wrath, any vengeance, any punishment that God could do in our lives was fully and finally taken out on Jesus on the cross. I'm going to come back to that, but think about that receipt. You celebrate the bills paid. You don't owe me anymore. I'm not holding up a bill. So ultimately, Avenger is going to end up with separation. It's always going to be isolation, separation, moving away. There's two ways you you respond when someone hurts you. One can be silent and one can be violent. With violent, we just go and attack and we we go there. And, you know, there's laws against that. But where there's not laws is violence. And sometimes that I mean, silence that can really that can really do just as much damage. I cut you out of my life. I give you the silent treatment. How's that working for you? You know, it's not. I don't give you dignity. I roll my eyes when you talk. Those are all silent ways in which we try to get evil even. And ultimately, it separates us from people we're called to love. A forgiver, on the other hand, they're thinking about resolution. They're seeking common resolution. They're seeking peace in a very difficult circumstance. Now, each day you wake up, you make a decision. How am I going to live when I'm offended? I don't wake up going, God, help me to offend someone today. And I certainly don't wake up going, um, you know, I hope, Lord, I can be as offensive as possible today. But it just happens. It happens. And so I've got to I've got to learn to take on an attitude each day. And hopefully following Jesus, he's going to teach me how to forgive and not get even. See, it's that attitude that's like a vine in your life and it reaps fruit. And when you're offended, you can either reap the grapes of wrath. okay, and try to get even or you can reap the grapes of a new wine of a kingdom of light that Jesus talked about in his ministry. We're called into that. And so what I want you to do right now is where do you want to be? Where do you want to decide? How do you want to live decided on the area of forgiveness? I'd like you to choose right now to decide to forgive. You may not know how that's going to work out, but are you open to resolution here? Or do you really want separation? Do you really want to be someone who's given to wrath and anger and trying to get even? But by the way, look at history. Over and over, there are nations 
nations of people who have chosen to live with vengeance. And you look in the Middle East especially, and you just have generation after generation after generation who want war. They don't want peace. And that translates personally when we choose to seek vengeance or when we seek forgiveness. You see, that attitude, that living to forgive is an attitude that fuels your actions. It's not just a few controlled, uh, you know, moments in our lives, like church, where we can kind of control our thoughts for a few minutes. I want this to actually be meaningful outside of this place where you choose to live to forgive. How do we do that? Well, I want to give you an outline here. And it's found on the scriptures in Colossians chapter 3. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Now, hey, before we begin this process of how to live to forgive, I want to tell you that there's I have about 30 minutes to share this whole grid with you, not lending up, but total as we talked about forgiveness. There's some of you who have deep wounds that you really need longer than the amount of time we have here. And I'm not saying that all your areas can work through forgiveness in this moment and everything can change and all your wildest dreams happen and what we spend in, in the word right now. But maybe this is a start. One of the things we love to come alongside people and do is just help them find and follow Jesus. And this may be the start. But can I tell you, there might be someone you need that's even greater help than just me sharing this from the word of God. You might need a counselor to work with on this. And we highly recommend a group here in town called Christ First Counseling. And uh, if you ever, we might want to write them down. If you're really struggling this, if this is deeper than we can talk about right now. Because they've helped a lot of people move from bondage and a cycle of vengeance into forgiveness. I highly recommend them. But here, let's take a look at this passage because I think it really gives us a good grid to handle. Handle How do we handle it when we're offended? Look at this, verse 12. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, Meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Here, one of the first points I'd like you to think about when you think about uh, when someone's hurt you or offended you is, number one, put on the character of Christ. When you wake up in the morning, put on Christ. And many of you wear crosses, and it's the most worn symbol of Christianity in our country. But here's the deal. It's easy to put on a cross, but can you put on the character of Jesus? One is on the outside, and it's really easy to do. The other is on the inside, the condition of your heart. And here God's kind of showing us his great closet of forgiveness. And he wants to clothe you with who he is. What determines what you wear each day? Well, this morning I woke up and I found out it's going to be 80 today. Yesterday I woke up, I saw the sun shining, and I thought it was going to be 80, but it never got over 40. So, man, I had to go in and change because the weather determined what I'd wear. Do you know we live in a dark world? We live in an offensive world. We live in a world that's not necessarily for you. So think about this. You need to wear clothing that are more than just what you were born with, right? You've got to put on the character of Christ. And Christ is inviting us. Put me on on this. Look at what he clothes you with when he does this. Number one, he puts on love. That's the motivation for forgiveness. You're a beloved child of God. God loves you. Secondly, compassionate. A compassionate heart. That's the heart of forgiveness. Kindness is another one. Kindness is the language of forgiveness. 
It's how you speak when you're offended. Humility is the attitude of forgiveness. It's how you view yourself compared to the other person. Meekness is the posture of of forgiveness. Rather than a vengeance-seeking power, meekness steps back a little bit and allows God to work there. Patience. Patience is the timepiece of forgiveness. Patience waits on the Lord. Now, God gives good gifts to his children who ask him. And that's why he calls us each day, ask me, I'll give you what I got. Look at what I have here. All these things God can supply in your life if you would just ask. So so it's wise. It's wise that maybe when we put on a cross to wear, we might take on the character of Christ in our hearts. We might pray, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but you do. Would you help me to live as a child who loves you? Would you help me be compassionate to people who really need compassion? Will you give me a kindness to speak when I'm tempted to go sarcastic? Would you, would you help me be humble? Would you move me more towards meekness rather than assertiveness in trying to get my way and get, get my, my revenge on someone? And Lord, help me to be patient. Help me to trust you with the time that I'm in. Secondly, once you put on the character of Christ, when you're offended, refuse to avenge. Refuse to get even. This is a constant decision where you stop a hurt before it becomes a thought, before it becomes a plan, before it becomes an action, or this reaction can happen in a millisecond. So you're coming up, and some of these things can be really easy. You're coming up on the uh, roundabout, which now we have over a 1,000 here in Topeka. And you're coming up on the roundabout, and you see it. You see it, they're coming from 21st because everyone who's selfish lives west of 21st. And they don't stop. They never stop. They keep coming through and you're coming through and, and you see them ahead of you and they're not yielding. They're supposed to yield. I mean, that's why they have the signs and they keep going. You slam on your brakes and you want to say it. You want to say it. You want to do it, right? Stop. Stop. Just say, I forgive you. Go ahead. Go ahead. They can't hear you anyway. Only your kids will learn that language. So set them free. I refuse to avenge. Refuse to avenge. I love what Proverbs 20 verse 22 says. It says, do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Here's Solomon, wise father saying to his son, hey, don't say someone's going to offend you when they do. Don't go after evil. Don't try to replay it when it comes into your life. Wait for the Lord. We're doing that right now. We're waiting for the Lord. I, my heart breaks when I read the news and I see and I hear the injustice of the world. My heart breaks when I see the situation of injustice when I've traveled to India and see the injustices that I've seen. Here's the reality. I got to wait. If I was bent on revenge, people would only see me. But since I'm willing to be patient, I can still be heartbroken about it. But I wait and I look forward to the Lord to do something about that. Colossians 3.13 says that we're called to bear with one another, bearing with one another. Think about that. There is a weight when someone offends you, when someone sins against you or hurts you. That weight, and we're called to bear with, not separate, bear with each other. Because the depth of your love really goes to the depth of your willing to forgive. If you're not willing to forgive or you're easily offended in a marriage, your, your love is going to be like veneer. It's going to look good on a, on a Sunday or Saturday night at church, but it's going to cut to the heart throughout the week. Refuse to avenge. 
just as quickly as you can. Go, I forgive you. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Your first reaction may be to say something or critical or cynical. And man, that's probably me. I mean, okay, that is me. I've been given the gift, the spiritual gift of sarcasm. And that's usually how I get even with someone. Is I go, didn't bother me, you know? And it bothered me. It's kind of a cowardly way of telling someone they hurt me. And so they have to always wonder, what did I mean by that? And that hurts people. And it certainly limits relationships. I don't know what it is for you. You may have grown up in a home where dad started hitting, okay? And that's been your angle of revenge. Maybe you grew up in a house where mom just checked out and she gave the silent treatment and she still gives you that today. And that's how you find yourself in that rut. But refuse to avenge. Maybe it's wise to say, wow, that kind of hurt. Right to the person. I mean, before you're about to post the Facebook post that tells everyone else about your spouse, stop, refuse. And maybe God can get some, some foothold here. Number three, remember. Remember Jesus forgave you. And he forgave you a lot. Okay? He forgave you a lot. Look at Colossians 3.13. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You're worse off than you think. But you're loved far more than you can imagine. That was our phrase from last week. But here's, here's the deal. God goes to whatever you owe him. And he sets you free. Our problem is, is, if we're not committing crimes, if we haven't joined jihad, if we haven't robbed banks or have a reason to go to jail, we don't think we're that bad. But that's not the standard that's used against us. The standard is perfection. And because of that, we all fall short. None of us, none of us can be good enough to, to alleviate our issue with sin. And that not that bad view of self ultimately translates into not that much need for forgiveness. And can I just translate even one step deeper? I really don't need Jesus in my life. I've heard people who weren't people of faith who would go, yeah, you Christians, you just you get to a low point. Jesus is your drug. And well, that's what Stalin said. It's the opiate of the masses. But yet we all have to come down here to our lives and the realities of who we really are. And we need Jesus to live for us because he lived perfectly for us. We can't. We needed Jesus to die for us because it was on the cross where Jesus ultimately settled the paid in full bill against us. And he did. And we need his resurrection because Jesus defeated the power of sin and death. And in his power, he will return and ultimately bring justice, justice, true, true justice to a fallen world. Remember, he forgave you a lot. Stop comparing your life with people around you because I can do that. I could compare my life with yours and I will stack up on top every time. Why? Because I love me. And number two, because I choose the topics, right? And they're usually not areas I'm dealing with. And the churches are good with that. They, they talk about issues no one's struggling with and they come out on top. But when we come down to really the, the realities of sin in our lives, we've got to be honest. Jesus forgave me from a lot. I like what Luke 7, 47 says. Jesus taught it. He's forgiven. Who, he, is for, who, he who is forgiven little loves little. Remember that. 
the more you realize the forgiveness of Jesus in your life, the more capacity you are have to forgive. The greater capacity you have to love. Number four, process a hurt with Jesus. I know our temptation is to process it with our friends and to build up the gossip chain. And sometimes in Christianity, we even make it a prayer request, okay? And everyone but that person knows that, you, that you've been offended. But maybe you might want to start. Instead of, instead of that Facebook post or instead of sharing it or gossiping or, or even planning to revenge, look up, look up. Look what Psalm 130 says. It says this. Oh, if you, oh Lord, should mark my iniquities, oh Lord, who could stand? Who could stand? I mean, if you were keeping track, which one of us wouldn't just have a boatload of sins on us? But with you, there's forgiveness. He not only knows, but he forgives it. That you might be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. That word, forgiveness. We hope with it. Process that hurt with Jesus I don't know. I, I got I have a, um, I have four words that help me process it on someone who I'm struggling to forgive. First one is this. Compare. Compare the hurt. Compare the loss. Compare the pain to Jesus. So someone disrespects me. And they don't let me know I'm special or significant in their lives. And maybe they disrespect me openly or maybe it's through something else. Was Jesus ever disrespected? Oh, yeah. And he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Whoa. For Jesus to go to the cross, he had to be rejected. For him to save me, he had to be rejected. So does this little comment, should that stack up compared to Jesus? If he forgave me, when, and he forgave us when we rejected him, I need to forgive. He's, he's got it on me. He's, he's so much better at it than me. Confess. Confess what it is about you that was offended. And go go honest here. Take some time. I've taken a time where I've taken out a sheet of paper and I've written down what I think that person took from me or robbed me of or didn't give me. Hi, I'm Joe. I love to be accepted. When someone rejects me, when someone criticizes me, man, it hurts. And so I need to go when I get that hurt and I go, I want to be respected by everyone. I just put that out there. I want to be accepted by everyone. And what I just realized is that can't happen. It just can't. Some of you are not going to like me. I understand that now. It's taken me a while, but my goodness, I had to step back and go, God, I want to be accepted by people more than I want to be accepted by you. And we need to be honest about that. God, I think I'm kind of good. I think I deserve being respected. Well, if anyone deserved being respected, Jesus did. And so it moves my eyes as I confess this before the Lord, what I want that only he could really give me and no one else could give me that, that it's helped me move to this next one where I'm willing to seek and listen to him. See, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me say? I need a heart. I need your eyes to see this person in a different light. I need the capacity to do this. I need to take on your character. And then I need to trust. That's that last stage. I believe, God, and I trust you to do something I'm not able to do here. I believe you can handle this. 
And you, in, if I'm patient on you, you will work in this situation. I'm willing to trust you. I won't seek revenge. I'll trust you. Whatever you want to do here is better than whatever I want to plan. And we trust him. And then we forgive like Jesus. We forgive like Jesus. Look at what it says in that parable that Jesus was saying in Luke seven forty two. He says, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Whether it's 50, whether it's 500 denarii, he said, neither of you can pay. Neither of you can pay. Can I just be honest with you? Some of you think you're horrendous and that Jesus wouldn't give you the time of the day. And there's no sin he can't pay for. So run to his grace, run to his forgiveness. And some of you think you're pretty good, that you're not as bad as that person. Your debt may be 50, but you still can't pay. You still don't make it. It's, it's like someone saying, hey, take this rock and throw it to Mars. Some of us can throw it farther. Some of us can throw it farther than anyone else in this room, but we'd miss Mars. We all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. None of us can do that. But so forgive like Jesus. Set people free by suffering the loss. Remember when I talked about Jesus paying your price in full at the cross? Christians believe that Jesus is God. And so the Trinity of God is the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. It's a mystery. I still can't figure it out fully. But here's the deal. When Jesus was on the cross, God was on the cross for you. Jesus took your sin and he bore it in himself. He didn't expect you to pay that bill. He took it on himself. He paid your bill personally so that in Jesus, he was not only the just one, but he was the justifier of those who put their faith in Christ. When you forgive someone, you eat the cost. You eat the cost. It will cost you. Forgiveness is expensive because sin is bent on destruction. It will cost you. Sometimes it might be, it cost me a curse a curse word at a roundabout, okay? Others, it, I don't necessarily do that, by the way, so don't quote me. Um, others, it's, it's literally a financial debt that they owe you that you need to set them free, and you will suffer that loss. You will, you will pay for that. And, and others of you, you'll have to mourn something that never could be paid back, something that was taken from you that will never be restored. But you bear, bear that. You don't try to get even with someone. You forgive them like Jesus forgives them. And then finally, you resolve to restore with love. When you set them free, you pray for an opportunity in the future when God can bring resolution here. Remember, the end of a forgiver is resolution with someone who's hurt you. Here's three things I try to do to resolve and to restore with love. First one is, is I pray positively for the person who's hurt me. This is not something I can do of my own. This is why Jesus has to teach me. Jesus taught us in Matthew 5, verse 44, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. In other words, God's kids forgive. And they forgive not just the easy ones, they forgive the difficult ones. And it's easy to pray, God, get them. Amen. It is. And I've tried that route. And he's always worked back on my heart. But maybe we might need to say, God, you certainly know the reason why they do what they do. 
I'm just going to trust them with you. And I'm going to ask that you would give me the resources to love them in the midst of this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I want to get even. But I, I want to confess that right now. I want there to be resolution here. I want their best. And their best is with you in their lives. Pray positively for them. Secondly, speak kindly of them. Ephesians 4.32 says this, be kind to one another. Remember, kindness is the language of forgiveness. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think when you're hurt, it's easy if you're good at words and you're gifted at sarcasm for you just to go, this is what you did. You did this and you stole this from me and you did this and and I'm really upset. And then two words we always use, oh, you always do this and you never do that. And we can use that. We can be experts in that. But here, Speak kindly to them and of them. By the way, when you speak at them like that, you're actually getting even. You're taking out your anger on them. You're trying to make them pay for it. That's not forgiveness. So step back from that. Speak kindly of them. Most of the time, rather than Matthew 18 and you going to the person, you start processing it with the people. Did you hear what they did? I can't believe it, what they said to me. And you build the case against them. When you might want to start thinking, well, wait a minute, I need to move towards kindness here. Speak kindly of them. And then finally, resolve graciously with them. When you get that opportunity, be open, be willing to forgive. I love what Psalm 32 verse 1 says. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Let me just ask you, when you were forgiven... When you've been forgiven throughout your life, what happens when I've been forgiven? I'll tell you what happens with me. I, I realize they love me. I realize that they care for me, that they're kind with me, that they treat me better than I deserve. And I value them more. I admire them more. And you have that opportunity with people who have hurt you. You want to deepen love? Forgive to the level you've been hurt. And then allow God to teach you how to love. Resolve graciously. It's better to forgive than to get even. We're going to pray. And before we pray, I want you to think about that person right now in your life you need to set free by suffering the loss. Don't necessarily think about the loss right now. I think I want you to think about the person to set free. You got a name? Maybe someone who's hurt you? Maybe someone you haven't thought about for a while, but I kind of stirred things up and you now remember them. Maybe God's brought them to mind because he wants you to forgive them like Jesus forgave them forgives because at the end of the day it's not about you getting even it's about jesus saving people forgiving people being honored and glorified in all the world and that's what we need to live decided on forgiveness is that's going to happen it needs to begin with us just think about that person right now and let's pray Father, you have identified in a room full of people here a whole bunch of names of people who have hurt them, who've offended them. And Lord, before they act out, Lord, I pray that they would put on, put on the character of Jesus. Clothe us with your compassion. Clothe us with your humility, with your kindness, through your patience. And Lord, whatever you're going to do in each of these situations, I pray that we would set them free. And we would model our forgiveness the way you have forgiven us. And you would provide an opportunity where it once was wrath or could be wrath to a place of righteousness and love. And we thank you, Jesus, for giving us a way out of 
out of vengeance to life and love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.